Now, granted, everyone may measure um, difficult times differently because of the circumstances you are facing. What might be difficult for one person might not be hard or difficult for another person as we think about pain tolerance, as we think about circumstances, how we respond differently. But ultimately, we know that God is in control. And if we believe that God is in control, if you're a believer here this morning, you're going to go through difficult times. You're going to go through hard times. And how can we possess peace? Well, first of all, we know that you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, you know that your eternal destiny is in his control. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it begins with repentance of our sin and asking Jesus Christ to come into our life and save us, placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because then we can have true peace of no matter if we were to, what would happen. If we were to die today, if we were to get hit by a car, if, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, in today's world, you can read stories of things that occur, the unusual deaths or even just normal deaths. You know, you might, um, whatever will happen, no matter what age, you know, God could call you home. But you would know that you would be in the presence of the Lord because of the promise that is based upon him. And it begins there because that gives us peace. Now, granted, there's going to be times where we're going to be anxious. But knowing that our eternal destiny is in the hand of God can give peace. And it begins there because it takes the control out of our hands. Now, now most of us, some of you I know, don't like when control is out of your hands. How many of you like to drive a vehicle? You would rather be driving the vehicle than riding. No, not you guys who can't drive yet. Nice try, okay? <laughs> They're like, I want to drive a vehicle, right? I like to drive. If I'm not driving, I'm a horrible passenger, right? It's kind of like those who work in the medical field are, are horrible patients. But to understand that, you know, you can't like a certain amount of control. But when that's taken out, it's like you don't know what to do. To trust someone else's driving. You know, it's like the joke of someone say, you know, I want to go... If I die, pass away, I want to go quietly in my sleep, not like uh, the passengers who are screaming and yelling, you know. But, but it's important for us to understand that peace. Peace comes from God. And we're going to look at the example of Mary as uh, we look at um, the reading this morning. And uh, Brother Sean, who read Luke 1, 26 through 38. And to give you some background, uh, we'll look at that in just a moment. But why don't we ask the Lord's blessing uh, before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, this record that you have, this truthful record that you have given us, the Holy Word. And Lord, help us to take these truths, to apply them to our hearts, help us to understand them. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be a witness and example to others around us. Thank you for the peace that we can have through studying and knowing your word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. As we look at verse 26, starting off where it talks about, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now let me just give you some background. First of all, just in general, we understand here angel. Angels are real. And uh, sometimes we wonder, you know, what are angels? Are they disembodied spirits? Angels are personal. They're real. 
They're created beings by God, and they exist. We saw that given to Zechariah. Now, granted, we don't see angels every day. There's, uh, as we look at the personal record, they didn't have the complete word of God. But angels are real. They're sent by God, and uh, they are messengers. And they are messengers that communicate God's truth. And as we think about even looking at this greeting that Gabriel gives to Mary, it says, greetings favored one, endowed or enriched with grace. That's what that means where it says, blessed are you among women, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings favored one or endowed and enriched with grace. Now, if an, first of all, if an angel shows up at your house or if an angel were to show up, we would be like uh, pretty shocked if we were to put ourselves in the place of Mary. And then the angel at that time for a Jewish young woman to receive this type of greeting. We see here the response. First of all, the first thing we want to look at is, if you're following along in your notes, is Mary's respect. Mary saw the angel and was fearful. Anytime in the biblical record there is a a sentiment of fear. Uh, when we think of fear, we think of spiders, scorpions, uh, snakes. Those things give us fear, right? Well, there's a fear of the presence of an angel, but also there's a, a strong respect. And obviously there are times where the terror of the Lord, it says in the Bible, but also a respect. And so in that, there's a bowing. There is a, a visible demonstration of that respect. And we know that she was fearful. If you look down in verse 30, it says in verse 30, where it says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's kind of the repetition again. And Mary would have responded as such. But the emphasis that Luke gives here is that she saw him, was fearful. And it's, we're going to look at the difference between this respect and fear of Mary versus Zechariah. If you're here last week, we understand Zechariah. He was fearful because here he is in the tabernacle, in the temple, and all of a sudden he sees an angel and he's fearful and wondering what's going on. But I think that as we look at this respect and fear in relation to peace, it's important that we understand that we must evaluate the source of our anxiety. So if you look along application, we evaluate the source of our anxiety. What was Mary fearful of? And it's important because she received these news and it's, it was the salutation, not necessarily the news itself. So it, it would be kind of like um, there are times where people are fearful in our, in our world. And you say, well, I'm not fearful. Okay, what if someone from the police, uh, um, police department show up at your door? Might be a little fearful, wonder what they're doing there. Or what about the IRS? They show up. You know, that gives a little fearful. There's certain things. How about the in-laws or family members? That can cause fear, right? Coming, coming to your home. But the, but the whole point here is understanding, as we think about fearfulness, is the source of our anxiety. Because as believers, sometimes it says, fear not. But there's going to be temporary times where we are fearful or what, what takes place as we try to define fearful. But the source of our anxiety. Because sometimes we say that, oh, I trust God. And then we have a medical condition or, or maybe we have circumstances. And all of a sudden we're like, we lose all control. We, we, we're anxious. And the Bible says be anxious for nothing. 
but in prayer and supplication. As we look here, first of all, the word, it says troubled. She was troubled. She was upset. But the emphasis it gives us, and I appreciate Luke's clarification, is that she says, excuse me, he says, consider what manner of greeting. Literally, she was puzzled at what kind of greeting is this. When angels greeted people, it was usually, fear not. You know, I'm going to bring you a message of something maybe you have to do. We think of uh, different times where people were given a message by an angel. In the biblical record, we have different ones. Daniel, we have John in the New Testament. We have these individuals. Zechariah would be a classic because that was just uh, a little ways back. It says, you're going to have a son, and that's okay because he was married. But all of a sudden, we have a salutation that says, guess what? You are highly favored. Now, most people would be like, wait a second. Do you have the right person? You understand? Jews understood that they were sinful. They were like before God, nothing. But to understand, it's kind of like if you found $100 in your pants pocket, what would you think? You would think I was on someone else's pants, right? Because it wouldn't be mine. So as Mary, as she receives these news, she would have been like, I'm troubled. Wait a second. Do you have the right? I think if I were to try to personalize, do you have the right person? Why have I found favor? Because that would, that would be antithetical to what she would have known and believed. Understanding God is a holy God. Remember, that is one of the important characteristics that I think even humanly we forget. God is a holy God and separate from sin. And we go through our lives all week, you know, very sinfulness, and then we come to God like no big deal. But to understand that separation of sin, the need for sacrifice... So she comes to that respect, and all of a sudden she receives these news. An angel shows up and says, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Endowed you or enrich you with grace. Blessed are you among women. You know, I believe Mary, one thing we learned about her was that she was a humble individual. And humble individuals aren't necessarily accustomed to accolades or attention. And so all of a sudden it says, Guess what? You are blessed among women. And she was fearful. She was, wait a second, what is going on? I don't understand. And so next, after Mary's respect, we have the angel's report. And it's literally, you have found favor or, or grace with God. Let's look at it as, as we look at the text. It goes through and says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. When, then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And we'll stop there. First of all, we know the greeting there. You have found favor or grace with God. And I, I think important as we think about this application here is, person, we need to listen carefully to the voice of authority or, or understand that knowledge brings peace. See, she was anxious before, but it wasn't from this news, per se, because um, the angel hadn't delivered any message yet. She was not anxious, but she was wondering, curious about the situation and how, why would she have found favor with God? Think about this, circumstances. Because if you think about anxiety and the source, there was a wedding ceremony and the pastor was uh, marrying a couple, and they were. he had asked if anyone had anything to say concerning the union of the bride and the groom. It was a time to stand or talk or forever hold their peace. The moment of utter silence was broken by a young, beautiful woman carrying a child, and she started walking toward the pastor slowly. 
everything quickly turned to chaos. The bride slapped the groom. The groom's mother fainted. The groomsmen started giving each other looks and wondering how best to help save the situation. The pastor asked the woman, can you tell us why you came forward? What do you have to say? The woman replied, we can't hear you in the back. The whole point in understanding is that, you know, wait till we have enough information that the knowledge brings peace. Before that, we could be thinking chaos. And so Mary waits and the angel delivers, you know, a report or understanding to give more information. And the angel says, you have found favor with God. Literally, this is appointed by God. It is grace, not based upon who the person is. And we grew up in a society of justice, of mercy. We don't want to give mercy to people because they don't deserve it. But if we think about ourselves, we don't deserve mercy. So here, this angel says, you have found grace, or literally, I, um, God has bestowed grace upon you. Not based upon who you are, but simply because God can. And we think, that's not fair. Why does God save this person? Why does this person come to Christ? Why does this person have blessing and benefit? But I don't. I've been following after God. God has not forgotten you. But just understand that favor, grace, he gives you enough and sufficient. And he says, you will conceive the pregnancy. And this is a, um, almost a word for word as we look at it in Isaiah 7.14, which every Hebrew would know, but also we know this passage, if you want to turn to it, you can. But Isaiah 7.14, and looking at 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We know that as being, and sometimes we understand how does that match up. But that was a fulfillment, as we understand. The virgin will conceive. You will conceive. She will be pregnant. And not only will you be pregnant, but you'll bring forth a male child. And that was big. You know, understanding at, at that time what it meant. But also, you will call his name Jesus. And looking at back understanding in Matthew one twenty one, Matthew one twenty one. let me just read that really quickly. It says, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Literally, Yeshua, Joshua, the Lord saves, which was a common name at that time. Maybe you know some different individuals, even Jesus in, in Spanish language, but Joshua it, it is the New Testament translation of that. We know the Greek. But the Lord will save. And he would fulfill that understanding. And he will be great. Also, he will be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of David. And we see that fulfillment as well. But he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And uh, let me just read uh, Daniel 2.44. Daniel 2.44. Daniel 2.44 states and says... And in the days of these kings, the God of heavens will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom 
shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. If you remember where Daniel interprets the dream, and here we have the God of heaven who sets up this last kingdom, a kingdom that, that will be unshakable. And it's reiterated also in the rest of that verse where it says, of his kingdoms there will be no end. Micah 4, 7. Micah 4, 7 states and says, I will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on even forever. And so the Israelites who knew their Old Testament, they said, okay, there is going to be this kingdom. And Mary, as you think about it, she is the one who received this news of what will take place. Now, only would you receive a, be pregnant when you're a virgin, you will have a child, a male child, and this child is going to be not, you know, the male child is going to not only just be special, this child is going to save people from their sins, have a kingdom that will last forever. And she understood that this was the Messiah, which every Jewish woman would have dreamed, you know, being part of that. But here she's given that. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had a child, but we do have children. But understanding is that, I mean, if, if they said that, you know, most guys would faint. That's why most men wouldn't make it through childbirth. That's why women have children. But secondly, understanding is the news, how you receive news. What do people do? When you receive news that are kind of shocking, some people go, you know, they pace, they got to get out of there. You know, I think about uh, there's different, um, different men in Minnesota. Uh, there's a Minnesota hospital up at Minneapolis Hospital waiting to have a child, children, and there's these men waiting in the operating room. You know, they're pacing, some are pacing, some are sitting. The um, nurse comes out and says to the first one, congratulations, your wife is having twins. Says, wow, that's great. I can't believe it. I work for on um, the Minnesota Twins baseball team. You know, I'm, I work on their family. I was like, oh, that's great. A little while later, the nurse comes out, and the second guy says, congratulations, your, um, your wife is going to have triplets. Like, triplets, I can't believe the coincidence. I work for the 3M Corporation. You know, that is such a coincidence. Hour later, um, the nurse comes out and says, congratulations, like, this hasn't happened in decades. Your wife's going to have uh, quadruplets. He goes, no way, I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. Can, I can't believe that coincidence. At this time, the fourth guy faints, falls over on the floor. They run over trying to revive him, help him up. And as he wakes up, he keeps on repeating, I should have never taken the job at 7-Eleven. Never should have taken the job at 7-Eleven. <laughs> as we look at this, receiving the news and understanding can bring that back to a, a spiritual application. But understanding is the report, and Mary takes this. And as we know, even later, she pondered this all in her heart. You know, most people would want to share or tell everyone. But you see what type of person she was, the humble spirit. She's trying to consider and take this, and especially even in her situation. But she receives this report that, guess what? You are going to have the Messiah. And her response, her response, as we see, the third thing is that how can this be? And this is different from Zechariah because Zechariah said, well, wait a second. We're old. We can't have a child. Mary isn't even pregnant. Or excuse me, Mary isn't even married. And she's never had um, physical intimacy with anyone. As we look at this, so she's saying, how can this be? His, Zechariah's was from unbelief to the angel's record. Hers was more biologically questioning. Well, wait a second, you know, as we think about it. The sperm and egg zygote to form a baby. 
how, does this, how is this going to happen since I know not a man? Literally, how will I have a child since I'm a virgin? And this is where, you know, I think about it, it's okay to ask clarifying questions because misunderstanding leads to lack of peace. When we read the Word of God, sometimes we're always like, okay, believe, but we don't always understand. What I'm thankful about the Bible and Bible study, we can read, we can study, we can learn. God has given us a record. Now, granted, some questions we won't be able to understand completely. But here in the text, where she asks this question, how can this be since I do not know a man? You know, the angel doesn't condemn her, doesn't criticize her. And even if you think about it, for a woman to speak to a rabbi or teacher. But she's just simply asked this question, how can this be? And it's okay to ask these clarifying questions. And on the next slide, because misunderstanding often does lead to lack of peace. Have you ever been in a situation where you don't have all the information? What happens is you start to rationalize, thoughts go through your mind, oh, maybe this is it. Or you start to um, misconceive thoughts about another person or what they did or their actions. And then you realize, you get all the information, realize, oh, you know what, I was totally wrong. Maybe you're not like that, but sometimes, you know, if you think about whether you're creative or that type of person, you can perceive thoughts or intentions that aren't always there. And that could lead to anxiety and trouble. But understanding is lack of peace. But Mary's response was to ask this clarifying question. Hey, wait a minute. What is going on? How is this going to occur? It wasn't from her lack of belief. She just wanted to know more details. And she isn't condemned for that. And what is beautiful is that we receive the angel's reassurance in verse 35. The angel's reassurance. As we look down, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Oh, and what a great reassurance reiteration. But think about a couple things that the angel gives to her. First of all, he explains how it's going to happen. Secondly, he gives her a visible sign that says, guess what? You might not believe, but here, here is something that will help you um, as you deal with this situation, your relative. Some, some have said, oh, it's cousin. It, the word just simply in Greek is relative, so we don't know. And then also is that understand goes back to God's promises. With God, nothing is impossible. And that reassurance that we have there. And uh, an important application for us to understand is only peace from God can you bring you through turbulent circumstances. And I can't believe I spelled that wrong, but my transpose. But it's turbulent circumstances. To understand that what happens is that, you know, Everything that goes, or goes on in our lives, sometimes it can feel like you're in a storm. But you can still have peace. But if you try to find it in your own strength, you're not going to have it. Things are always going to be difficult, but yet peace from God. And as we see here, it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You know what? This will not occur in your own power or strength. Mary, there's nothing. You are simply a chosen vessel. There's nothing that you can do about it, and uh, there's no your power. 
you were a, a young person who at that time, you know, they weren't even allowed um, a certain level of teaching beyond a certain point. But she would have been young. I wonder at that time, 14, to marry a, someone who's older, but here you are going to have a child. She would have been ostracized to be look at that. She doesn't say, well, wait a second. What about how people are going to perceive me? I mean, I think about the situation that she would have been in. We often fail to look at that. Think about teenage pregnancies now. You know, often looked at. The parents, everyone. But to receive this news and to receive it with such grace and humility, that can only come about because of the peace of God. I don't know about you, but to put it in modern-day vernacular, I'd be freaking out. <laughs> but the power of the highest will overshadow you. Literally, if we think about Exodus 40, 38, the figure of the shadow of a cloud. You know, that word is literally overshadowed. If you think about, you see a shadow here because of the bright lights. You know, we can see a shadow covering, and, and it's somehow being able to cover a chair, but to cover, literally the shadow of the Most High covering. And they would have understood that cloud, because that cloud represented both the presence of God, but also the power and leading and control, the whole the Holy Spirit, God is going to permit this to occur. It's not some weird, divine, human act. You are going to conceive in your womb because of the Holy Spirit. And the Shekinah glory, which represents the presence and power of God. This holy child shall be called the Son of God. And this was understood as being recognized as a designation of the Messiah. But as we see in the text as well, it says, overshadow you also the Holy One who is to be born in you. Holy One, we know holy, separate from sin. How can this be? This is going to be divinity, divine. Not because Mary's without sin. And you wonder, how can that occur? There's some who said, well, whose blood was it? But the sinfulness, the, Jesus Christ was born without sin. He couldn't sin. But yet, took on two natures. And this is the challenge because fully God, fully human, two natures to understand. And, the, and while she didn't completely understand, she placed her faith and trust in Christ. And we know that she was willing to follow after this plan. And God, through this angel, also tells her that your relative Elizabeth is already pregnant. And then finally, that reaffirmation, that uh, reassurance that he gives her. And this is a verse that uh, we know very well. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I want to say it that way because sometimes our text, the texts say, with God, nothing is impossible. Here in the New King James, it says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. In that Greek sentence structure, the emphasis is upon nothing. Not nothing, the word nothing. Okay, that is what it is emphasizing. And the whole point there is that nothing will be impossible with God. Oftentimes, we like to, humanly speaking, we like to give excuses. God calls us or desires us to do something, says, wait, I can't. Remember, what was Zacharias' excuse? Wait a second, we're too old. Wait a second, that can't happen. You got the wrong person. It's so easy to give excuses. Humanly speaking, uh, you could say, well, if I were to take a poll, some of us are like half full or half empty. We often look at the negative, and part of it is we'd be, 
we, by society, we've been dulled and uh, become a little more rigid in that, you know what, we are skeptical people. How can this pass? So some of you are half full people, or, and some are like um, half empty people. Half empty people, excuse me, are those who are kind of more skeptical, and half full people are like, you know, look at the positive side, right? You're the ones, oh, it could happen. You know, no big deal. And then there's some of you who says, well, too bad I don't even believe in the glass. But, <laughs> but to understand that uh, here she's presented with this and says, guess what? Nothing will be impossible with God because of who God is. And that is important because so often we are evaluating the circumstances. God, I can't do anything for you. Look at my situation. God, how can this, this be possible? God, don't use me to share Christ with someone. I can't talk very well. God, you want me to, to help with this project or to serve spiritually? I can't do it. But instead, we should be looking at who God is. Because if we believe that God is an all-powerful God, that God can do anything, can't God use who he wants to? Can't God use you? Now, granted, remember, Mary asked some clarifying questions. We don't just say, oh, I think that God wants me to do this. God wants me to fly, so I'm going to go jump off the skyscraper. Obviously, we understand, we measure against the word of God, but it's important to understand that God places upon our hearts certain burdens, certain promptings, and we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we seek reassurance or talk to others, spiritual leaders, the word of God. But there are things I believe that you know that you can understand your spirit is communicating with the Holy Spirit. Each of you, if you know Christ as your personal Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. And it communicates with us. And, and to understand that God, nothing is impossible. And what that means is not that, oh, you know what? Then I can play in the NBA. Oh, that's great. I'm only five foot eight or nine, and I can play in the NBA because God said nothing is impossible. Well, I think we forget the context. And God's calling and directing is that he can empower you to, for his service, for his ministry. He can use you to lead people to Christ that you might not think. Think about someone who is so hard against spiritual things. And you think, no way. But God could use you to help that person come to Christ. God can do many things through you that you might not realize on your own. Because we know ourselves. Whether our sinfulness, our weaknesses, our frailty but to have peace. And that's the thing. Oftentimes we fight God. Too many excuses. I mean, I don't know about you, but each of you were a young child. And did you know when you were a young child, you learn how to give good excuses of why things are and why they aren't. So understanding that. And, but it's okay to ask those clarifying questions to figure things out sometimes for God. It, but the key is to believe Take God at his word. What does it say? You know, Mary asked that clarifying question. It reminds me of an example. This guy came into a coffee shop and placed his order. I want three flat tires and a pair of headlights. The, the waitress, not wanting to appear stupid, goes to the kitchen and asks the cook, this guy out there just ordered three flat tires and a pair of headlights. What does he think? This is an auto parts store? No, the cook says. Three flat tires means three pancakes and a pair of headlights is two eggs sunny side up. Oh, oh, says a waitress. She thinks about this and then spoons the bowl, spoons up a bowl of beans and gives it to the customer. 
The guy says, what are the beans for? The waitress replies, I thought that while you're waiting for the flat tires and headlights, you might want to gas up. Sometimes the interpretation there isn't always the right way, but once we are on the right wavelength, once we understand what this angel gives her, reassures her, and tells her, hey, it is okay to trust God because of who God is. Mary's resolve then is what we see. And the evidence of that, her response, the biblical response was the commitment to God's word. Look in verse 38. Verse 38 says, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Most of us would be like, okay, if it has to be me, then I'll do it. And this maidservant of the Lord isn't even sufficient because in the Greek, the word is doulos, which is literally a slave or one who is surrendering complete control to God as a female slave. I am willing to allow whatever you have for my life. Now, let me ask you this. Most of us would not allow another person or another um, that complete control. Yielded yourself. And that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that yieldedness, willing to let God use us. We're mostly, okay, God, I'll let you, you know, have my talents, maybe my money, you know, my time, but you're not getting this. And that's where idolatry comes into our lives. The willingness to let God have every part of our life. God, you can have my presence or you can have my presence as far as, you know, my attendance. But, you know, my future or my plans, I don't want you to do that. The challenge is that what it means to have complete yieldedness to God. I'll be honest. If you're, if you're an organized, planned individual, most of us, most of you, if you're that type of person, don't like it when plans, when interruptions come into your organized plans. Are, you, are any of you, like, organized, real like things that, you know, occur boom, boom, boom this way? Are you that type? Admit to that. Okay, some of you are, some of you are. I'm not going to do that. I'm that I, some are laughing because I'm not even close to that. But, you know, when things occur, you like things to go smoothly. All right, you know, that's right. And then something comes in. Use the illustration of maybe you're planning to go across the town and, you know, you get a flat tire on the I-10. And that's a terrible thing because you get dirty, you have to change this. You're like, oh, why did you allow this to happen? I was trying to help someone else. And we just look at the, we only emphasize the, the incapacity to ourselves, the fact that this has um, delayed our desires, our plans, the inconvenience that it is to um, our planning. But yet, if we, if we put it in perspective to God, allow this to occur, what are you to learn from it? What plans does he have? Maybe it's something to even protect you. And that's the hard part because our perspective is so selfish, and Mary's willingness here to simply just say, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Here I am. I am, I am the Lord's slave. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you say, I will do. See, the problem is we don't like to obey. We don't like to follow directions. Um, some, some people like to follow directions, you know, to follow everything. If you can do it, you've done it before, you just do it. But Mary's resolve was here. I, I will do what you ask, whatever it is, no matter how hard it is. 
And the application here is that true obedience leads to true peace. True obedience leads to true peace. Because humanly speaking, what often happens is we rationalize. We say, did you really want me to do that? Is that really what you wanted me to do? Many people talk about trust and faith, but lack resolve to obey God's word. If you think about in the realm of Christendom, and what I mean is believers. Most believers say, oh yeah, I have great faith. I'm ready, Lord, take me anytime you want. And then we get sick. Or then something occurs, and it's like, Sometimes there are those who take every precaution, every, every attempt to not, go, not suffer or to go through and praying that God will save you to protect you from death. And I know that young people, sometimes your lives, you're looking ahead what God has for you in the future. But what I'm saying is that each of us should understand that our lives are short, are brief. Those, I know some in here who are 90 years old and, you know, great fond memories, but it's gone very quickly. But what is harder to live for 90 years following after being a testimony for God? There are going to be challenges that you face. And some here, you know, we've gone through difficult things. But I would encourage you, guess what? God is, still can use you. God is working through your life. And to understand that the key is in obedience. It begins today. And whether, whatever your past is filled with, there's always forgiveness. But to understand that true peace comes from that resolve that today I'm going to follow after the Lord. Whatever you have for me, I'm willing to do that. The surrendering of ourself. And to exemplify that faith. And sometimes that means, guess what, you might get sick. You know, are you willing to die? Wait a second, guess what, it's still fearful to face death. Some people say, you know, face it head on. You want it to happen quickly. But guess what? Sometimes God has death occur or sickness for a long period of time, and that's hard for us. But the resolve to say, thy will be done, Lord. And then finally, the last thing is Mary's reward. The last thing is Mary's reward. Peace only occurs when, 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 we, bleh, when we stop desiring control, when we submit our will and obey God's plan for our lives. Because even when we don't understand or see how God will accomplish it, we can still possess peace. And that's what is the beautiful picture. Remember verse 37, For with God, nothing will be impossible. When God directs us, or we believe that He is leading us in certain ways, it's important for us to understand Stop desiring control, especially when it comes to God. God, I will serve you if you do this. Submit our will. You know, some of us are naturally, not impetuous, but we're, we're rebellious. I'm one of those, you know, certain things, you know, someone tells you something, well, I don't believe it. No, we want to find out something. You know, is it true? I'll search it out. Oh, it is true. Wait a second. You know, we don't like to be wrong but submitting our will to God and then obey God's plan for your life. Obedience is not easy. Anyone here break the speed limit? Suggestion, right? Okay, I guess, oh yeah, see, I, you know, it's a suggestion. You, sometimes you have to break the speed limit, otherwise people are going to run you over. But we break, we break federal and state laws to some extent, uh, and this is being recorded, 
But the whole point is, is that God's laws, the commandments, taking the Lord's name in vain, thou shalt not lie, shall not steal. We still continue to break God's laws, but yet God is forgiving and caring for us. So if we can obey God's plan for your life, when we, when we simply are willing to, God, today, my desire is to serve you. Read the word of God, to pray, to depend upon him, and really to have the mindset of, God, what do you want me to learn today? If I'd encourage you in obedience to be a, a quick learner, that will help us to understand. So just, again, even when we don't understand or see how God will accomplish it, we can still possess peace. Maybe you're here this morning and, you know, you're worried about COVID. You're worried about seeing other family members. You're worried about just what tomorrow is going to bring. Will I be able to graduate? What will happen? Will I be able to pass a test? Will so-and-so love me? Will my children do this? There are so many anxieties and worries. As we give them to the Lord, we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May our, our first step be prayer, commit it to the Lord, and then obey. Because we can't change everything, but it starts with our own personal lives being submitted to the will of God and living in such a way that we can be visible to others. And when that is contrary to what the world does and what the world says, people will notice see the difference but they'll also see that there's something different about you because you have christ and you have true peace shall we pray heavenly father we just thank you for your word and lord as we think about mary what she went through we could never understand the responsibility that she was given but lord she found grace because of what you did I just pray that uh, you would help us during this Christmas time as we think about true peace, the light of the world coming to earth. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to point people to you. Help us to be a reflection of a peace, of trust, that the object of our trust might be Jesus Christ. Not in ourselves, but Lord, peace true peace. And sometimes you give us peace amidst circumstances. Lord, I pray for those who have loved ones who are sick or ill. There's some who are going through difficult circumstances with health-wise. There are many, I know, even friends of mine who, are, who, are, who have family members close to death. Lord, some who have already seen loved ones who have passed away. Lord, I pray that you would grant them your perfect peace, a peace that passeth all understanding, a peace of, of knowing that you are in control, that you are with them, your presence, comfort. Lord, we know that there's going to be mourning. We're going to respond emotionally, and that's okay. But peace is deeper. It is knowing that you are working out your perfect plan in our lives. Help us to submit to that. And Lord, until your soon return, we pray that you would help us to demonstrate the peace that, that comes from you. We ask in Jesus' precious name, amen.